What are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pop Culture Podcast. I hope you're, uh, I hope you're having a good Wednesday. I hope you're having a good whole week. Is is the truth? I hope the, uh, I hope the last seven days leading up to this point has, has been fantastic for you. Mine, mine's been good. Mine's been good. I was just thinking, I've had a good day today, and uh, I think the only thing that's let us down is I've just, I've just come in here and hit record after you know trying to navigate my way through some. Some tax numbers. I'm not a hundred. I'm so glad I'm married. I'm so glad I'm married because my wife is very good with admin. And if you open a spreadsheet in front of me and ask me and ask me just to make it work, I go, you know what? I'm, I think I'm. I would have been good in the fifties in some areas. I think not. Not still with tax. Like tax, I still would have. You know, I would have paid someone to sort it out for me. But but Jesse just gets it. You know, it's very confusing to me when you're dealing with numbers. The size that I'm dealing with, you know, it's a uh, it's a really stressful undertaking. There's not big numbers there. There's a lot of small numbers. It was actually quite confronting to realise how many small numbers were involved. <laughs> it, was, it was disappointing, and so many things that I've tried to write off as work expenses. So many of the subscriptions that I have, it doesn't it doesn't really work. It turns out a subscription to your favourite running magazine isn't a uh, isn't a work expense. Who would have thought that? I'm. Uh, I was disappointed to find out. I got about fifteen subscriptions to those kind of things. So it's tax is always interesting because then you have to justify where you're spending your money. And I prefer just I just I like not to look, which is very unwise. There's nothing wise about not looking at where you're spending your money. I've I've got a it's an emotional thing. Like the psychology of money to me is very interesting because the one bill that I'm responsible for paying in my relationship is my Optus bill. And it's the one bill in our relationship that doesn't get paid because I keep thinking, you know what, what I'll do rather than pay it is just go and do something else that I would like to do. And it seems like the right decision at the time, you know, like a, like a fat kid on a diet who decides to eat a cupcake. It momentarily you think, no, this is the right choice. I've, I've, I've earned this. I've worked hard for this. These man boobs don't grow themselves. You know. And so the Optus bill doesn't get paid. And, and then, I don't know, it's interesting. Tax, I, I've got a lot of respect for you accountants out there. If you're an accountant, man, hats off to you. I don't know how you do it. I just find it confusing. Anyone who, anyone who can look through a spreadsheet, to be honest, if you can operate Microsoft Excel, I don't even know if that's what it's called, Excel. If you can operate Excel and you know where to put the writing and how to add up numbers by themselves, you've got my respect because I don't know how to do that. My Expel shed seat, you know what I'm trying to say, it doesn't even matter, is this. This is my Excel spreadsheet. Literally, look, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it. If you're only listening to the audio, I mean, well, you've only got yourself to blame that you can't see these numbers. I've... I've done a spreadsheet since, uh, you know, it, it looks like one that was designed in 1994 before computers were as powerful as they are now. I've just written it down and, and added it up. I don't know where to carry the ones either. So the numbers are out of whack is what I'm trying to say. But that all started with me just saying, you know, it's been a good week. It's been a good week. Whether you're a spreadsheet guru or not, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're hanging out. Thanks for coming by. I've made a coffee before this podcast started and I'd like to apologize for you because I reckon one of one of the biggest pet hates that I have when it comes to a when it comes to a podcast of any sort is is when the people in the podcast think it's appropriate to drink. So what I'll do, I'm just going to mute myself every time I take a sip. 
So in case you're wondering why it goes silent, just for a moment, I'll give you a quick example. Bang. You didn't even realize, but I just took a, I just took a sip of coffee. Second one for the day, three's the limit, I think. I think it's uh, it's 12.58 in the afternoon right now. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm on track for a pretty solid day. I think I'll have one on the way to Melbourne today. And then a three, three's my limit. Any more than three, I start getting the caffeine shakes a little bit. I remember 2010, I ran a PB for 3K. Um, eight minutes, 10, if you're wondering. Not mucking around. Back in my distance runners days. I'm just saying a 60 second last lap. I'm... Ran past four people that should have beat me on that day. It was just a good day at the office. I went out and I'm not a big drinker. I've just, it's, it's, you know, I just don't like the taste. Which always feels funny saying. The, um, I heard Chris Williamson, that guy from the Modern, that Modern Wisdom podcast say that alcohol is the only drug that if you don't have, people assume you have a problem. <laughs> and it's, let's, let's be fair, most people who aren't drink. I don't know if I don't know if this is completely true. It's I was going to say they're not super fun to be around, but I, I don't like to put myself in that category. My issue is if I if I get too into anything, I commit too hard. Alcohol is no exception. I think I'm I'm not too bad at balancing, but I've just had a couple of moments where I've gone, all right, Tice. You know what the way you, <laughs> the way you handled yourself. You went too hard, Tice. Come pop is what I say. You went too hard. Have a little break for a little while. Um. How did we get on to talking about alcohol and and anyway? I'm not I'm not sure. I've got a I've got a, a a passion for committing is I think what I'm trying to tell you. It'll make sense to me in a moment what I was going on about. Have you noticed this is a regular theme here? I'll start telling you a story, and then I'll get thirty seconds into that story and forget where I pivoted from, and it's too late to go back because this is it's not live, but I treat it like it is because I want you guys to get the uh, the genuine experience. Not that I probably should just edit it. I think it'd be really good for this podcast health. I'm going to have to start editing it soon because I'm, I'm going to start getting more guests on. I really enjoy I love these ones. I love just sitting down and talking through what's going on and, and just feeling like you and I are having fun together, despite the fact I can't see your response to to what it is I'm saying. I mean, the, the numbers are, are skyrocketing. So something, people are paying attention, you know, but that's not always a good thing because I guess if you run onto the ground at the MCG in the nude grand final day, people pay attention, but you get arrested. It's a seven thousand dollar fine. So I probably I probably shouldn't just buy into Facebook numbers or podcast download numbers. Well, we proved last week my most popular video that I've posted on social media was that one talking about my first mushrooms experience. That was that got lots of numbers, <laughs> got lots of hate as well. I posted a, I posted that clip with some of the comments on my Instagram story the other day. And I just said to people, hey, you you choose for yourself what you think of this. Judge for yourself. And all my friends are like, hey, Tice, that was... People have no sense of humor. I got one guy messaged me, he goes, mate, haters are going to hate. When they start hating, you know you're doing something right. I was like, bro, I'm though I don't know that's true in every situation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat it like it's true for this one because uh, this podcast is too much fun to assume that it's not going well. I mean, the podcast is going well. It was one little clip. I'm going to have to start doing the Joe Rogan thing, the post and ghost. Post your little so-called funny video and then just not rock up back at your computer for a day and a half. Or ever, I think, is the is the way it goes. Just that that little uh, that dopamine desperation rush, that thing in your brain that says, oh, come on. Just open it. Have, read the comments. See what some... There would have been a pretty girl who said that you were really funny. That, have a look, look for that one. 
just let that one go through to the keeper. You know, even the pretty boys who start typing comments on there saying you're really funny, you can't see that anymore. In a lot of ways, a, a guy compliment means more to me than a girl compliment, especially if it's a gay man. I love a gay man. I don't love a, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. I don't love a gay man. I'm a married man, as I, as I often point out, which is probably starting to get to a point where it sounds like a justification. But a lot of, there's a lot of stylish gay men out there. And I think the, I think the men who aren't, stylishly gay aren't the proper aren't the proper gay i got a i got a brother-in-law he's a brother-in-law's brother-in-law actually he's a gay man and he's a i don't know he's he's a bit harder to pick i met his boyfriend once and i thought he was joking which is always awkward because when you get introduced to their partner and you go bullshit <laughs> you're a straight man i know the way you guys work he goes no this is we've been together for nine years i said i'm, I'm so sorry i'm sorry i hope you don't read too far into my uh my comment, I'm from Tyrolgan, please understand, that's country Victoria. We thought these things were just made up for TV shows. <laughs> we, we didn't realise. I'm the problem here, not you. I guess it depends. If you spoke to like a fundamental preacher, they might say that they are the problem, but I completely disagree with that. And that's I think that side of religion's gross. But I'm just saying there's people out there who have that opinion, and I'm not one of them. All right? So to my brother-in-law, I apologize. To every gay man who's ever complimented me, I thank you. Words aren't flowing off the tongue as easily as I thought they would today. There's a, there's a couple of words which are causing hurdles. I had one of those moments yesterday. I, um, I actually went down. I've been catching up with the pastor of our church here called The Wave. And uh, Pastor Stu, his name is 38-year-old dude, surfer guy. I, I love him. I don't know if he actually surfs, but he, he gives that vibe. He's just a good dude. And I was, I'd been in my office all day just doing stuff, pottering around and trying to get a few jobs done. Uh, like a lot of introverted kind of stuff, which was, which was interesting. Like I do the day trading in the morning, which I don't really speak to anyone for, for two hours at that time. Unless my wife yells out, babe, do you want a coffee? And I say yes or no. They're really the only words that I say. And then do you ever have those days where you don't speak much during the day and then it comes to a point where you have to go out and be social but when that social uh, that social time comes, your your mouth's just not used to working. I had one of those yesterday, and I thought I thought maybe I was getting sick because, you know, my ability to speak is usually pretty strong. And so if I'm getting caught up on quite easy words, I always know something's wrong if if I'm just not in the mood for having a chat. I think that's fair. I, I don't know. I. I do you guys ever have that feeling you're not necessarily in the mood to talk, but you can you can turn it on for for when you need to? My mum used to get really angry at my dad back in the day. This is this is years ago. We're talking 1989 when they were still together. But apparently, they could have an argument, and then he'd go out in public, and he'd just be the king of uh, king of charisma. Everyone was like, "Oh, you're always in such a good mood." My mum was like, "I wish I could turn it on like this." I think I got a little bit of that about me, maybe, which. I don't think it's a, a really good thing. You don't want to be arguing with your wife and then get out of the car and make it look like there's no problems in the world. But I'm just saying, it's one of my strengths. Anyway, nah, it's uh, Jesse's great. We've been we've been married now for nearly. We got married in 2011. We've been married nearly 11 years, and the last couple have been have been so much fun. We've had our little Charlie boy, but it's a weird dynamic when you when kids come into a relationship. I think because I'm I'm such a I, I think. I think in Hollywood they call it an attention whore. I'm the attention whore of our relationship. So if I'm not getting the attention I desire or I feel that I require, I'm what uh, the French call a little bitch. 
they call that a little bitch. I can be a little bitch and, and I mean, that's probably not a good take to have, is it? Like the kid, my two-year-old deserves the attention because he's trying to learn fundamental skills of socializing and trying to get his hand-eye coordination and trying to learn words. That revolves, that, like it requires a lot of attention. It requires a lot of commitment to be able to develop that. So if you've got the dad there who's 35 going, mate, I can't believe like you're celebrating my kid being able to push himself off the couch onto the floor without falling over. I can do that. I can do that almost every time. Probably not a good thing, but we had our we had a baby moon the other day. So Jessie is she said to me before I started this podcast that tomorrow is September the first, October. Our our little man is due, and so it's weird to think that in well tomorrow I'll be saying next next month we'll have baby number two, which is which is it's a combination of terrifying and very very exciting. I can't wait to meet the little man. Can't wait to watch how Charlie operates with him, but. I mean, uh, for a bloke who is uh, self-professed and also others say quite an attention whore, I think it's going to be an interesting little experience bringing the second kid into the world because it's just going to make it harder to get the laughs under this roof that I require. I sound like a prima donna, don't I? I'm part joking, but only part. (laughs) Actually, probably like a smaller part than I would like to admit. But Jesse and I, yeah, we went away last weekend for a baby moon. My my good old mum, Susie Davidson, she took the little man overnight and uh, we went and stayed at an Airbnb out at a place called Merby North. So I said that I'm from uh, country Victoria. Merby North is country Victoria. Like there's not much. We were on a, I think it was a three-acre farm, but we were surrounded by hundreds of acres. Nice little Airbnb. This is how country it is. When we were there, we went out to the local pub for dinner that night and... Uh, what a great experience. We were sitting at the pub having a look through the menus and they had your, they had your traditional menus. They had your traditional meals. They had your, they had your steaks and they had your chicken palmas. There was every beer that you wanted, not the classy ones. And then there was a Sri Lankan curry. But my favorite part of uh, reading about what was in the Sri Lankan curry was the fact that the, the people who put the menu together took the time to say that it was cooked by, uh, by their chef, Gavish. <laughs> Which, I mean... If every meal had the name of the chef, I wouldn't think too much about it. Like if the steak was cooked by Steve and the parma was cooked by Susie, then the fact that the Sri Lankan curry was cooked by Gavish would be no issue to me. But I love the fact that Gavish is a very, you know, it's a very foreign sounding name. It doesn't sound like it's from here. And when it's next to a Sri Lankan dish, you can only assume that this man or woman, I don't know the the you know whether that's a feminine or masculine name, whether Gavish was working that night. I wasn't hundred percent sure, but it gave me a lot of confidence in the dish. Look, I'm going to be. I think Gavish had the night off that night. My my curry, it tasted it tasted exactly like it was out of a jar. And in fact, I knew it was out of a jar because they had a big hole from where you ordered your food to where the chefs were, and I could see quite clearly there was plenty of jars of stuff just being poured in there. And uh, just to clarify, there was there was no Sri Lankan. <laughs> there was not one Sri Lankan in the kitchen that night. There was a couple of ladies who looked like they'd overcome a drug addiction at the age of 30, which is fine. I celebrate their wins. But I'm just saying there was no uh, there was no Sri Lankan lady. My only Sri Lankan friend, is his name's Joash, which that just sounds like an Aussie name. If he cooked that curry, I wouldn't have got it. I only got it because Gavish sounded like someone who, who could put together a real mean curry. Names can be deceptive like that, though, because I've, I've got an auntie Siobhan who's Sri Lankan. She's a brilliant cook, but Siobhan, also not an overly Sri Lankan name from, from what I understand of the naming requirements in Sri Lanka. Usually, Gavish fits it far more clearly. Usually, there has to be, a, there has to be at least an sh and, and a few e's in there. 
think if you chuck a few E's and N's in an SH, Praish, sounds Sri Lankan. I feel like a lot of people are calling me a racist right now, but I'm not trying to be. I'm just trying to. Uh, I'm just trying to tell you about my experience. I had a chimney sweep come to our house yesterday because uh, our fireplace isn't working, and, and he came in and he was explaining to me what might have been the problem. And as he was explaining the problem, he apologised because he said, "Look, mate, the the problem is they call it a Chinaman's hat, which is at the top of your chimney. The Chinaman's hat is a little bit blocked up because I don't mean to be culturally unsensitive. I said, mate, you have come to the perfect place." If you want to talk to someone about Chinaman hats, because even if it's not supposed to be funny, I find that word, or those two words put together, quite funny. Anytime you refer to someone as something like an Aussie man, not that funny. A French man, not that funny. For whatever reason, a Chinaman, hilarious. What is that? I'm, I'm not sure. People call it passive racism. I call it. I'm not sure what I call it, but it's bloody interesting. Just had to mute myself for a minute there. I just took another sip. We're three quarters of the way through the coffee and we're only a quarter away through this podcast. So, mate, we've got, to, we've got to slow down on the consumption of the caffeine right now. So good, though. You forget when you've got a couple of kids and you go away for a baby moon how, how good mates you and your wife really are. We got out there and uh, I don't know what it was. I was a little bit tired, I think, when we first got there. So it took me a, bit of, it took me a few minutes to warm up to the fact we're on our little baby moon. But then she chucked La La Land on, which I... You know, I argued against vehemently. I was really disappointed with the choice. And that brilliant story, I know it's got a good reputation. She wanted to watch it based on the fact Ryan Gosling was beautiful in The Notebook. He's a gorgeous man. I saw a, I saw a, film, uh, a film clip of him the other day. I can't remember what movie it was. But he had, he had bulked up and he had some tattoos. And even it woke up that gay part of my brain a little bit. There's a part of my brain that, that doesn't get activated regularly. Though sometimes it does. Every now and then a little part of my brain goes, oh, you know, I'd consider it. And it's just a consider. A consideration doesn't mean that you're, you're legitimately gay. You have to follow through. The thought is, is not the act, is it? otherwise I'm a raging homosexual. <laughs> that's, that's not true. That's not true. But I do definitely appreciate a good-looking man. I think Ryan Gosling fits the category nicely. I'm a classic kind of Brad Pitt's. Fantastic, isn't he? Gorgeous. Bradley Cooper, I think in uh, uh, When a Star is Born or A Star is Born. Fantastic. Actually, Brad Bradley Cooper anytime after 2010. Fantastic. I think it's a sign of a healthy man to be able to tap in and go, you know what? If you asked me on a date, I wouldn't say no if I, if I was single or even if my wife was okay with it. Or if you ever played the game, which man would you kiss if you had to? You know, I've got my top 10 sorted. From 10 to 20 is a little more questionable. Then from 20 to 30 is right up in the air. There's some good looking men out there though. That's the, that's the, that's the truth. It's not gay unless you say it out loud in a podcast. And uh, and here we are, together, making discoveries of all kinds. But it was a good little getaway, a short little getaway. We were only, only there for 24 hours. But it was one of those ones, you know those places that you go to, and, and for whatever reason, you just leave and your tank's a bit full? It was one of those, I'm good, I'm good out in the country. I remember um, Jewel on the Joe Rogan podcast 12 months ago was speaking about the parts of your life where you realize you, you come alive and your tank's being filled up and the parts of your life where you feel stressed and just like run down and tired and like you just don't want to be doing it. 
nature for me, if I've been stressed, I, I start the day. Or I just don't even start the day. I'll just, I might go out for a midday walk. If I look at, because here's the, here's the weird dynamic. Computer time for too long for me, no good. Get, get a little bit clogged up, get a little bit, um, you know, I just get a little bit over the, over the, what do you call it? The pixels, the artificial light. And so I go outside and just wander around here at the beach and go down Lover's Track by myself, which is, which is quite sad but very refreshing. You feel as though when you're on a track called Lover's Track, you should be with someone you love. I sometimes take my little boy for a walk out there, and I always, I always feel like it's inappropriate, just based on the name of the, just based on the name of the track. I always feel like I have to justify to people out there. It's not what you think. It's just my boy. I just, we just love this path. So we were out in, uh, we were out in Merbury North. My wife asked a good question as well. She goes, "Hey, where's Merbury?" Fair question. I've lived out that side of town my whole life, and no one's ever spoken about Merbury. It's always just Merbury North. Where's Merbury? And here's a good question. If there is no Merbury, which there's not, how do you justify the fact you've just called your town Merbury North? North of what? It's just Merbury you live in. You need to relax. It's just Merbury. Stop being so specific. Another good point my wife made at the trip, she said, well, imagine how much money every shop front would save by being able to save that they're just the, the Merbu pub. They save money on the N-O-R-T-H. If that's 10 bucks a hit, N-O-R-T-H, you're saving 50 bucks. That's some very cheap lettering, but still a very good point. Trelgan South is a place, but Trelgan is also a place. South Australia is South Australia based on the fact that it's the south side of Australia. You need a reference point. You just can't you can't just go chucking out just random random what is it called? Not landmarks. What's it called when you refer like the, the coordinates? You can't be chucking out random coordinates and expect us to take you seriously if the coordinates are you know not relevant to the to the destination that you find yourself in. We went out for dinner the other day. Jessie started open up to me about a couple of years ago. She got chased by a wombat, and she didn't know that that happened. She thought wombats were just like little cuddly, little cuddly toys, like an American who looks at an Australian koala bear and assumes they can't hurt. She pulled me aside and said, "Babe, I got to tell you something." I said, "Sweetie, anything." She goes, "I got chased by a wombat once. I didn't know that could happen." I said, "Sweetie, this is a really interesting start to dinner. Tell me about the experience." She said, "The the biggest shock to her was well, first of all, once she realised that wombats could run fast." Uh, she said that there was a class of 30 people who had walked past it. It was like this wombat pinpointed her and said, no, this bitch, is, she's just taking it too far. Like, don't be looking at me like that. Don't you know a wombat has a particular need uh, to be looked at in a certain way and you've just, you've just done the wrong thing. And she has, my wife is a, she's a lovely, lovely person. She's just got that reputation if you don't know her sometimes. It's not a reputation. It's definitely not a reputation. It's a, she calls it a resting bitch face and I do too. Sometimes when we argue, I just call it a bitch face, but it never goes it never goes down well. So I've stopped that. Just like I used to, uh, I used to flick her in the forehead if we were mucking around and having a little argument. But it's not like a domestic abuse kind of a flick. It was just like it was more cute. Not when we we're actually arguing. For those of you who are police officers, um, you know, or just respect women. It just <laughs> either two of those categories. I remember one night we were laying in bed and I was disagreeing with something she said, and rather than arguing, I just gave like a little. Just a little, it wasn't even that hard, just a little flick on the forehead. She goes, babe, can you stop? Because it actually hurts. And she said it with a look of sincerity in her face where I said, babe, I've been doing this for five years thinking we were having fun. 
she goes, yeah, I've been trying to figure out the best way to speak to you about it. And I guess, I guess the best way to speak to you about it is just ask you to stop. I was like, oh my gosh, who am I? What a horrible husband. What wife has to ask, ask their husband to stop flicking him in the head when they disagree with the point? Use your words, Tice. He certainly got plenty of those, is what they say. <coughs> Excuse me. There's certain things like that. I remember, because my humour can be quite vulgar as well. It can be a little bit dark, as plenty of you have found out through the, the Mushrooms episode of the podcast. But I remember back in about 2013, we'd been together for five years, married for a couple. We were going out to... I can't remember where we were going. I think it was... um. It doesn't really matter, does it? Because you, you guys don't care where we were on our way to, but we're going away for a weekend, and I was telling some disgusting joke. She goes, you know, I've never really liked it when you tell jokes like that. I said, for how long? She goes, since since I first met you. I said, sweet, that was 2007 we first met. She goes, that's right. So I just, I guess you learn more about me every day. I go, well, now I first feel bad because the event, I could have recorded 600 podcast episodes with all the terrible jokes I've told you, which were just inappropriate. You tell me now? She goes, I guess better late than never. And it is, but... I mean, relationship health is also important, don't you think? Anyway, so it was funny to hear her talking about those wombats. Bloody, speaking of animals, it's magpie swooping season here in Victoria right now. Have you noticed? It's that one time of the year where a magpie assumes we give a shit about hurting their babies. We've got no interest in it, and yet they've just got it completely stuck in their mind that we're out regardless of where we're going to attack their children. It doesn't matter. All these rumors about what fixes it, people go, no, you just got to make direct eye contact with them as they're coming to swoop you, and then they won't. Or just put these big spiky things on your helmet, and they won't come near it. Or people say, you know, the best way is just to run down the street and just go like this with your arm. You don't look like a dickhead because people understand what it is that you're doing. <laughs> it's so frustrating. The amount of times I've tried to go out and just get some milk from the local milk bar and had to sprint along the main street of town just doing this and pretend it's not embarrassing, it's just humiliating. I couldn't give a shit about your little baby magpies, grown-up magpies. All I want is some milk. Just let me go to the shops and not look ridiculous. I'm so embarrassed. What do the locals think? Especially on the days where you don't swoop me and all I've been caught doing is just running along like this. It looks like I'm trying to be a helicopter that doesn't work. It's a bloody stressful time to be an Australian, I tell you that. Especially Australian who enjoys going for a long run. There's This time of the year is I have to scout runs. Like golf courses are out. There's no way I can go to a golf course and enjoy a run right now because I'll be attacked. 100% attacked. And people go, they're only small. They're not going to do that much damage. It's the sound. It's the psychological impact of a magpie flying over your head. And it, I don't know if you've ever, ever had it done to you before, but it, it makes this click sound. It's like a mini gun right over your head and none of them have ever connected but they sound awfully close i think the only thing that gives a magpie a run for its money in australia is those plovers do you know have you ever heard of a plover if you if you haven't or if you're in another country jump on youtube and just type in plovers these guys are aggressive they used to they're, they're even they're the one bird i think that are more aggressive than a than a magpie if these things were the size of a pterodactyl Side reference, I always thought the word pterodactyl was pterodactyl. I was watching a childhood video, not a childhood video, I was watching a video with my little boy the other day, a cartoon, and the guy doing the cartoon was referring to a pterodactyl. And I was like, this Muppet's got it wrong. I googled it and turned out for the last 35 years I'd, uh, I'd had the wrong name. But if these birds were the size of a bloody pterodactyl, I still feel wrong saying it. It's like the fact that capsicum doesn't end in an N, but an M. 
I can't call it capsicum because for my whole life I thought it was a capsicum, like a capsicum. <laughs> there we go. But if they were the size of a bloody pterodactyl, there would be there'd be no one able to walk the streets safely during the uh, the Australian spring. Americans have got it more intense though. They've got the hawks and the eagles. I was at a um, at a property with my brother-in-law who's an arborist when we were there recently. And he was having a bit of a chat to the lady about uh, her chickens. And he said, oh, some of your chickens have gone. He goes, you wouldn't believe it. She goes, these guys were just out in the backyard, big backyard. She goes, I watched a, a you know, a, a, not a magpie, an eagle come down, swoop it up, pick it up, take it away. Apparently it's happened with kids and everything. So I guess I, I probably shouldn't complain as much as I am about the clicking sound of a magpie when kids are going missing, being stolen by eagles. And It's a wild world out there. You forget sometimes. Don't you? As you're recording your podcast with your hair brushed back and your nice little blue light in the background, you forget that's a dangerous world out there. You gotta, you gotta be careful. You gotta look after yourself. I mean, we try and reconnect with nature a little bit, don't we? We try and remind ourselves that uh, it's not just all artificial lights and donuts. But I think that's why people grow veggie gardens because they they don't want the full experience. It's like a chihuahua. A little reminder that wolves are out there, but these ones are cute and you can pat. It's enough to reconnect you, but it's not enough to damage your life. It's like some people like to go for a forest walk when they're in America. Others just like to have a, a veggie garden. That same experience. You get, you get your hands in the dirt. You get to have an experience with nature. Chances are you're not going to get attacked by a bear while you do it. Safer option. I've got an appreciation for that as well. I just recently bought a uh, recently bought some pot plants and... A very confusing process because I know nothing about soil. I thought I had to go down to Bunnings and just say, hey, can I have some soil? But I went to the soil section. It's like the green tea section at Woolworths. You you go in and yeah, or Walmart for you uh, international listeners. You go in, you go, I just want a bag of soil. They go, what kind, what style, how big? Very overwhelming. I had to message my brother-in-law and say, dude, I've got no idea what soil to get. Like, do I get soil or do I get potting milks or are they mix or are they both the same thing? He messaged me back on, dude, that's the cutest thing you've ever asked me. It's a very patronizing way to respond to your brother-in-law. I said, what's the answer? He goes, I just wanted you to know that that was cute before I answer it for you. Because I do know. I know the answer to that question. <laughs> anyway. The answer was uh, potting mix is just a form of soil with a whole heap of added nutrients. So the back patio, we've got some kale growing. A lot of work for little result. I go through a bag of spinach in a week quite easily if I'm having a good healthy week with a lot of green juices. But the amount of kale that grows on a small backyard pot plant is very insignificant. I think, honestly, it's going to be seven weeks worth of growing, protecting it from bugs and whatever else wants to attack it, watering it correctly, making sure it's got the right amount of shade, and light, and then realizing that all that was for four leaves of spinach that I took for granted and I got from IGA for the last 10 years. So I'm starting to think the $4 a bag that you get it for uh, at the supermarket is, is perhaps more worth it than all the work that goes into cultivating those four leaves because seven weeks of work for one green smoothie is, is too much work for one green smoothie. Got some parsley, coriander. Coriander's gone a bit brown. Apparently, that's because you overwater it. I've got, I've been exposed to a whole new world here. I don't totally understand how much water or or how little water something needs in order to thrive. I just do my best. I just go out there. I used to have a pot plant in here, like it was, it was right there. Maybe you remember, and I had to get rid of that because, it, like, the bottom of it started smelling, and I was like, why is the pot plant smelling? I didn't even know the right questions to ask. I just thought the pot plant was broken. 
but it always had like a pool of water in the little base container around it. Apparently the roots had rotted out. I couldn't believe how bad it smelt. I left it there because I thought it looked good for the podcast, but the truth was it wasn't worth the sacrifice. I was the one having to come in here and just cop the smell for an hour every time I wanted to record an episode. You guys just got to look at the pretty tree leaves. <laughs> that was the most ridiculous deal any man had ever made. But nonetheless, it's fun. A little, uh, a little hands-on with nature. A little. Connect- I, I went to my mum's the other day, and she gave me some more big pots, and I'm going to get some cherry tomatoes. Don't, mate, you, you can only plant them in around spring, is what I've learnt, because they're going to need about six weeks to thrive. I thought, how good's that? Like, what a cool opportunity to just get my little man eating some cherry tomatoes. He does. At the moment, he just chews them up and spits the shell down on the floor. I used to do that with lollies when I was a kid. I'd just chew it. And then I'd swallow the taste and then I'd spit the lolly out because I thought that meant I was healthy. I thought the lolly, like you had to swallow the actual lolly to make you fat and unhealthy, but it turns out the uh, sugar content that hits your bloodstream is still pretty high based on the fact you're just chewing out all the juices. It's essentially you're turning a, a grape into a sultana in a lolly form, um, you know, and then trying to... Ju- is, that a good, is that a good analogy? I was trying to compare... I'm not sure. I think the fact I'm trying to compare the analogy or explain the analogy is uh, its probably a sign I've gone down the wrong track based on the fact analogies to exist to simplify things. And I've just had to use two paragraphs to try and justify my use of one. Anyway, interesting up in Merbin North as well. We went to a little local cafe and I always find cafes funny out in country towns because you go to a big city or a bigger city. And it, I mean, it's fundamental skills just to have basic things like table service down pat. Isn't it? Like a good a good cafe in Melbourne will say, okay, come and take a seat over here at 53. Michael will come and take your order in a minute. He'll deliver that uh, order to Sarah and she'll bring out your meals. This place, we had four separate waiters or waitresses come up to us and say, excuse me, guys, have you, has someone taken your order? And as soon as you've had three or four different people come up and ask whether your order's been taken, you realise that the internal uh, health of that particular organization isn't great. No one's paying attention to the finder. It is. They're like those little duck legs in water, just doing their. They're trying to stay afloat, but their their misuse of time is 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 very visible. I watched about sixteen different coffees get taken to the wrong table. I wanted to pull them aside and go, "Look, guys, I don't know what they do in Merbu, but here in Merbu North, you guys are you got an opportunity for growth." I didn't order a toasted cheese sandwich. That's for the lady on table 37. The guy goes, we don't have table numbers here. I go, I've labeled them for my own health, for my own sanity. I just wanted to know what table number that would be had you had table numbers. <laughs> You're taking this very seriously. The one the one thing they did well, I thought, despite the fact that there was, there was clearly no computer system being used to submit orders, it was, you know... I think the intellectual number, if you had to, if you had to attach one, on the IQs of the people working there was relatively low. And I don't say that as a bad thing because I'm not claiming that I have a high one. I'm just saying if you want a job of that standard, you're going to have to have like a basic IQ when it comes to delivering meals. But anyone who got served by me at Lanotti years and years ago would understand that that's, you know, it's maybe a bold call. It's a bold call. I used to sneak, I used to be, I was in the middle of distance running training. I was doing 140K a week at the time, 120 probably. I was exaggerating to try and impress you, but... If you don't run 120k a week, still sounds impressive. So I don't know why I tried to sprinkle a little bit of sugar on top of there. Uh, I used to go out the back, and the, that's where you would cut the bread for for your guests. I used to go out the back and, and cut bread for guests, but then sneak a few pieces uh, pieces into my my little um what's it called? Not your gown, 
your not your napkin. <laughs> Just as I've started riffing about the IQ of people who work in there, I can't remember the name of a apron. An apron. It was a stylish apron, you know. Had my pen, had my little notepad so I could take the orders. And I'll just sneak around every now and then, sneak around a corner, carb load a little bit more. It's a t- it is actually a tough job. I probably should go easier on these guys because there were so many moments back at the old job where I would be, um, I'd just be in the zone. I'd go up to someone, hey, how you doing? Because I was, I love the idea of being Mr. Social, being really liked and just having fun, telling a few funny jokes. But when it came to making sure that the orders went into the system, so the kitchen got them, yeah, weak point of mine, really, really weak point of mine. I would go in and I would, uh, you know, I would write it down and I would fully mean to put the order into the computer. But then an hour and a half later, I would have some 45-year-old lady go, excuse me, how's that spaghetti going? I go, oh my gosh, it's ages away. That's not even close to being ready. I've, we haven't even, the pasta's not even old Dante yet. It's bloody still sitting on the side of the bench. She goes, why is that? Because this dickhead didn't bloody put it through, did he? She goes, can I just have a refund? I go, okay. No worries. I used to, it was good down there as well because... It was a real Italian street, Ligon Street here in Melbourne, and uh, it was it was fun because you were in competition with all your other restaurants. There'd be these old men standing at the front and saying, "Hey, I'll give you a bottle of wine if you come into mine. I'll give you fifty percent off. Oh, you know, I'll give your girlfriend a massage or whatever." And then people would come past our store, and my boss was like, "You can't give away wine." I was like, "Oh, what if the other guys are? You can't give away wine, Toss." But then I'd hear the traditional Italian bloke next door go, hey, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to have a, come in to have some restaurant, we've got some pasta, some pizza, uh, I'll give you a bottle of wine for free. Okay, beautiful, that guy's good at that. And I'd see the people's faces light up. And then they would approach me, I'd go, hey, uh, well, ciao, bella, hey, come in, I'll give you a bottle of wine. They go, this guy offered us a better bottle. I go, we'll give you two. Uh, <laughs> Ten minutes into the conversation, they realised I was Australian. I just, uh, I just put my boss under a whole heap of pressure because he said no wine, I've now given him two bottles. It's just that's the that's the price of business though. That's what you got to do. They've they've uh, they've closed down since then. It was a, it was one bottle of wine too many. The profits just weren't turning over. But yeah, it was it was good. It was competitive. Mick Gatto used to come in there from time to time, or he used to at least walk past. You know, Mick Gatto. For those of you who don't know, he's one of the. Uh, I guess you call him a gangster here in Melbourne. Like he's he definitely plays the role well. Mick, if you're listening, I've got nothing but. I was going to say respect, but I think fear is a better word. I don't know enough about you to say that you've uh, you've got my respect yet, but it, fear fear is a definitely you've got that. There was one, so there was one restaurant um, next to now. I, I don't know. I don't know if I've got these details right. So make sure you don't just take my word for it. Maybe Google it. But Mick Gatto, he got caught. He didn't get caught. He got. He oh sorry, he was in the court system. Because he was charged with, I, I don't know the court words. I don't know, does charged mean you're accused? Let me just tell you the story and you figure it out for yourself, okay? I'm not saying come here for facts, I'm saying come here for fun. There was a, an Italian restaurant, and uh, I think this was maybe in the 90s, and Mick Gatto got done for, for shooting a bloke dead in the back room of this Italian It's that kind of vibe. It's like the old school Italian kind of vibe, the, that terrifying kind of, hey, we're mafia stuff. That's the that's the kind of crowd that we're talking about here. And he used to walk past. So this is the reason I was I was scared with it. And my uncle used to always go to these boxing matches and he would just be there on our table. And I was like, oh, I know a thing or two about you. And you know when you see a pretty girl and you know she's pretty and you want to talk to her, but you're not 100% sure how to start the conversation because you're just terrified. That's how I felt with him. I'd go up, hey, Mr. Gatto. 
It's like, hey, which part of Italy is your accent from? I said, I do this when I'm panicking. I'm not, I'm not, I'm the most Australian bloke you've ever met. Uh, ciao, Bella. He's, uh, it, was, it was one of those kind of moments. So that's the, that's the kind of territory that it was. It was interesting though, man. Like that old school Italian mafia style is, I don't know why I'm so attracted to it. Like murder, obviously not a huge fan of. Um, not even a fan of, even a little bit in most cases, unless it's like a good movie. As like a bad guy just uh, just getting repaid for his wrong. Like I like it there, but when it's real life, you you sort of forget that it's it's kind of serious. I get caught up in the romanticism of it all, and to go, oh, okay, well this guy, so he, he's well, that's a legitimate mafia. That's why I bought this ring because I was going through my phase. Look at that. It's like the Italian. I'm not sure if that. Look at that. That's a tattoo just there as well. See that? That's what you call regret, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> My uncle, the uncle I was just telling you about, he used to have that tattooed on his uh, on his finger years ago, just like a little dot. And he actually, he passed away in, oh, one second here. So I went fuzzy for a minute. He passed away in 2017. He had cancer. And man, he he was he was like a wild man. He, he lived like a wild man. So it was, he was 49, but it was packed with, it was, yeah, it was a packed 49. But as a bit of a tribute to him, I thought, oh, you know what, I'll get that little... I'll get that. And I got Matthew 10, 16, the Bible verse. Because uh, he used to always go to me, Matthew 10, 16. Tosi, you've got to be wise like a serpent, innocent like a dove. I said, what does that mean? He goes, I don't know, but how cool does it sound to say, Tice? I go, you know what? That's fantastic. And then I said to Uncle Phil, what's that? What's the tattoo on your finger? He goes, mate, that's the earth from when you're up in space. I thought that is just such a ridiculous explanation for what's clearly a, a regret that you have. Uh, but I, I appreciate the fact that you've gone to such a length <laughs> to justify it that I, um, you know, I'm going to let you off the hook. And so I got it. I got it. It's still better than my tramp stamp. But location is the problem with the tramp stamp. I think I, uh, well, that's that's the very nature of what a tramp stamp is. It's where it is. But I didn't know it was called that when I first got it. It says belief, courage, strength. Great words to live by. Uh, location of those words, questionable. Very questionable. In fact, one of the most questionable decisions. But I can't, I can't get rid of it now because it's. Uh, I mean, I can with laser, but I feel like doing that. It's just lying to everyone. I thought I, I just want people to know. Hey, there was a stage in my life. I thought this. I thought this was a good idea. <laughs> no one told me. It was. It was ten minutes after I got the tattoo. I'd been telling everyone for ages I was going to get a tattoo right there. People go, "Cool, Tice." The moment I got it done, I walked out, showed my first friend. They go, "That's a tramp stamp." I go, "What's a, a, a tramp stamp?" They go, "That's what." what a lot of homosexual men get and real slutty women i said hang on a second is this common knowledge i go oh everyone knows that it's called a tramp stamp so where were you half an hour ago this is there forever now anyway what do you do hey did you see chris rock turn down the invitation to host the 2023 oscars <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was fantastic of course he did the poor bugger he had the opportunity last year he got the shit beaten out of him it's like your friend saying, come to my house, we'll have heaps of fun. You get in there and the dad getting you in the headlock. You go home going, I don't want to play with you anymore. He goes, nah, come back next time. I promise next time we'll be different. Chris Rock. That was wild, wasn't it? Like I, I feel as though in, in such a news-heavy environment that we're in, that story of Chris Rock and Will Smith has been forgotten about. But I haven't forgotten it. All it's done to me is just tainted what I think of Will Smith. I'm like, I used to like him and I still like him, really. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? I still like the guy. He's, I reckon he regrets it. I guess that's the problem of just having the world's attention on you. It's like, don't make your biggest mistake at that moment. 
Because I've, like, you spend 10 minutes with me, you're like, okay, Tice makes mistakes very regularly. <laughs> but then when the world's eyes are on you, just don't make your mistake at that time. Because then people like me are going to look at you and go, oh, I just, I think he's a flog. But, yeah, I don't know. Will Smith, I don't know what he's doing. I think he's in India is the last I heard, in India, because I love Bill Burr's take on this. Bill Burr goes, he had to go to India to see a shaman because he didn't realize that slapping someone <laughs> on stage at an award ceremony was wrong. It's like, you don't need a guru. You just need to think for a minute. But do you ever have that moment, though? Like, when I was a distance runner, I used to always think about the the emotion that would come with running down the home straight of an Olympic 1,500-meter final, winning, having your family run onto the track, and you just celebrate, and you get caught up in the moment. And it makes you run faster on the night. I thought maybe Will Smith has like a, he wants his wife and kids to know how much he just he just stands up for, for those around him. And in his head, he's created this incredibly inspiring story of what it means to stand up. And then he thought, if I just do this, if the opportunity ever comes up, people will go, well, what a man. And then he's done it. And then no one, no one was just on board with him. It's like when you're at the traffic light sometimes and you've got music pumping. Do you ever get that? And you're just you're in the zone and you're, you're just feeling so good. The dopamine's flowing. You're dancing a little better than this. You know what I mean? This is my style of dancing. But you're sitting there and you just assume that everyone's going to be so into it because you've built up that last 20 minutes of emotion to get you to the emotional high that you're in now that you assume that the lady standing at the traffic lights is going to love it. So you pump it. You pump it loud because you want them to be able to experience or be a part of what it is that you're experiencing. And then... They just look at you and shake their head like, what, you're a flog. And it's because they're not on the emotional side of the wave. You've created this emotional tidal wave and they're just there completely separate from the emotion, just got looking at it logically like this guy has no self-awareness. I hope you guys go through that sometimes because it happens to me regularly. I've got so many favorite songs. <laughs> anyway, that was a little taste of Hollywood. Leo, also Leo DiCaprio, the... The, the most gorgeous fat man in the whole world. He's, his reputation from Titanic has stuck with him all these years. And in my mind, he's in my top 10. I don't care that he's got a podge belly. He's got a podge belly man tits and his face is perfectly round. And yet, he's still gorgeous in my eyes. Though when I see him, I know he's not. I reckon more than any fat man in the whole world, this guy has the highest strike weight rate with young models. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a sign of, of what a little bit of status can do for you. You can be a little bit fat. You can be a little bit overweight. You can have a couple little man boobs. You can have a little double chin. But when you act like that, it doesn't matter. People out there, too many guys are so caught up, going, if I just had pecs, I'd get it. No, no, you have to just act in a Hollywood movie and not let it be a movie that you had to give someone a blowjob to get the part in. Even then, I reckon people could look past it if you're a good enough actor. You know what I mean? Even then, people can look past it. But as I read before that he uh, he recently split up with his 25-year-old girlfriend. I think he's 40-something now. Uh, bravo, Leo. Bravo. People often question you and challenge you on the the efficacy of what it means for a person of your status to constantly date young women. And that, for me, just suggests that these people have no idea about how they would operate if they had your opportunities. <laughs> You're a gorgeous man, and I say, keep it up. Because we know 25 is getting a little bit old for Leo, isn't it? My sister's nearly 25, which is concerning, and she's quite pretty. I think if she was around Leo and he, you know, I don't want to think like that, actually, because it's, it's, it's far too close to home. I'd much rather speak about these people that I've read about on Google.
Anyway, I'd hate to be a parent of one of these young girls is what I say. <laughs> it's bloody hard being a parent as well. One of the things that I've realized is just the aspect of disciplining your kids. There's so many ways that people do it. Some people say, no, you just tell them off consistently. They'll get the message. Other people say, no, if they swear or something, you put a little bit of chili on their tongue, they'll get the message. Other people say, no, you just smack your kids. Smacking in 2022, it's frowned upon. People aren't 100% sure like whether they should do it. Are they allowed? Will you go to jail if you do it? <laughs> Disciplining your kids has got harder. My mum used to just get a wooden spoon and smack the shit out of me. But before she did it, she'd always go, Tosh, this hurts me far more than it hurts you. I used to say, Mum, well, how about you don't do it and we'll both be stoked? <laughs> That'd be a big win. I don't know. I'm still trying to navigate that territory. I just get in like little wrestles with my boy, get him in a headlock and say, you know what? Don't mess with me because I could squeeze tighter than this. And if I did, you know, there'd be a lot of trouble. I was on a, I was on a walk with some friends a couple of weeks ago. I told you about the big 33K walk that I went on. And halfway through this, the so I was with a friend, Brent, and his friend Sammy was there. And Sammy was telling me about these stories of traveling through Europe. And you know when a story comes up and it's spoken of so normally, like it's been... It's been considered acceptable for so long that just no second thoughts are given to it. This guy was saying that he was he was going through a phase where he was, he was traveling through, uh, I think they were in Germany, and there was some drugs involved, there was some alcohol involved, and all of a sudden some of the guys in the group started to feel like they had lost their use of their willy. Which I guess if you're out on like the nightclub scene and there's a lot of pretty girls around, if that's the way you fly, uh, that's a really negative experience because you, you want to be able to use that potentially. And he was telling me that a couple of the guys that he was he was traveling with, which is usually a sneaky way of saying I. When you say, yeah, there's a couple of guys that I was with, that's, a, that's you trying to confess that you did something. Because yeah, these boys were, were caught in a situation where they were so convinced that their willies didn't work that they had to get each other just to blow blow air onto it. Just go, <laughs> He goes, yeah, bro, like apparently, uh, he's New Zealand, this is my New Zealand accent. Apparently, if you just blow on it, it would, uh, you know, and activate some of the sensors and it would get it back to life a little bit. So we were all just there in the lounge room, just blowing on each other's dicks, trying to get it all, you know, we're just trying to get them reactivated. Started out, started out New Zealand, it's gone to Cockney a little bit. Pardon the pun. When you're talking about, talking about being on your knees, blowing a little willy, that wasn't even meant to happen, that Cockney riff. But Cockney, it just seemed appropriate. Uh ridiculous anyway there was a little story for you not a hundred percent sure what the purpose of it was or what the benefit to you and it is but nonetheless a very funny story so if you're ever in doubt get a mate to blow on the tip you know but might just bring it back to life but ladies and gentlemen today has been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to be sitting here with you i hope you all have a great rest of your week i um what am i doing this afternoon i'll go finish this coffee go do a little bit of exercise and then ladies and gentlemen i'm going to melbourne to tell some real funny jokes so if you're interested, come on down, watch a, watch a potential uh, absolute domination of a comedy show or just a very obvious bomb take place. Either way, you'll find it funny. I'm out of here. Have a good rest of your week, and I'll see you all here same time next week. All right. Goodbye.